You're listening to a podcast of the Sunday morning message from Grace Christian Church in the city of Cork on the beautiful south coast of Ireland. We hope and pray that it will be a blessing to you. Good morning again. How are we doing this morning? Are you good? I am. I am. I want to ask you a question. Thank you, Dara. I'm doing good. Thank you for asking. I asked you a question a couple of weeks ago. I'm going to ask you the question again. How many people here want to be happy? Who wants to be happy? Put your hand up if you want to be happy. Would you stand up if you want to be happy? Stand up for a second if you want to be happy. Stand up. Now, if you stay sitting, we'll pray for you afterwards, okay? If you don't want to be happy, you are not a human being because all human beings want to be happy. Amen? Amen? Okay, you can take your seats again. The point I wanted to make a couple of weeks ago, and I want to continue it on to some degree this morning, was this, that we are all seeking happiness. I quoted a guy called Blaise Pascal, a French philosopher and polymath and theologian. And he said that, this is what he said. He said, all men seek happiness. This is without exception. Whatever different means they employ, they all tend to this end. The will never takes the least step but to this object. This is the motive of every action of every man. And one of the points I wanted to draw out of that is that we are designed to pursue happiness. We were happy once in the pure and unadulterated presence of God in Eden. And since then, we have sought many ways to be happy. And one of the points I made was that all forms of idolatry, and you're in a Christian church this morning when we refer to idolatry, boil down to this. Seeking after something that God will give you anyway by other means. That's basically how all idolatry boils down to. Putting something first in our lives that God, that is replacing God. Or going after things that God wants to give us anyway by any other means. I want to give you the good news again. God wants you to be happy. Amen? A handful of people at the front believe it. God wants you to be happy. Anyone at the back? He wants you to be happy. I know this because when I read the scriptures, they are flooded with happiness. They are flooded with joy. Look at this Bible verse I quoted. You have made me happy, said the psalmist in Psalm chapter 4. David, happier than they are. Even with all their grain and new wine, you have made me very happy. You've given me happiness, more happiness than those who have loads. But let me tell you this about our happiness. And that is that our happiness is so precious to us, we sometimes go the exact opposite way of our happiness in the pursuit of our happiness. Does that make sense? We mitigate against our own happiness by chasing things that will give us temporary happiness and ignoring our ultimate happiness. Are you with me? Okay, I want to talk this morning about maybe some practical way, or in actual fact it's a spiritually practical way in which we can begin to put happiness into our own lives. Because God has given you an incredible amount of autonomy and authority over your own life. We, he has given us the ability, in many senses, to make ourselves happy. By the choices we make and the decisions that we take and the steps that we take in our lives can decide whether or not we will be happy in the long run. This morning, when I'm talking about happiness, I want to talk, this morning's message is simply titled, First things first. I'm going to be looking at Luke's gospel chapter 12 verses 22 to 31 and the re- one of the ways in which we can make ourselves happy is by putting the first things first in our lives. Very often we put the second things first in our lives but I'm telling you that by putting the first things first or getting our priorities right 
we will end up as happier people. Now, I'm saying this as somebody who has very often gotten his priorities badly wrong. Not all of my life, but there have been times in my life where I've gotten my priorities wrong. I've put, in, put things first in my life that shouldn't be, or I got the order of my priorities wrong. And very often I've had days where I have felt I failed in the priorities. The things that I really should have paid attention to, I didn't. And the things I shouldn't be bothered paying attention to, I did. Sometimes, maybe like you, I got taken up with all of the urgent things and I forget the important things. In actual fact, I was doing this so often in my life that I actually wrote up, I have a little verse that I quote in my own head. It's a little poem I made up. It's a little, I don't know, how. is it a poem? Is it, is it a rhyming line? I don't know. And it goes like this. Of all the plans of mice and men in the present and the past, the things that I should have done first, I end up doing last. I actually made that up for my own life and I've quoted it with, with bitterness at 9 o'clock or 10 o'clock at night going, the thing that was the most important in my day, I didn't do until last. I did all the dopey stuff first. Now we are Christians, by and large, most people here are Christians, the vast majority of us, and so we have an eye, if you will, that goes beyond this life. I like what Rick Warren said about priorities and he said this, he said, living in the light of eternity changes your priorities. The things that you think are really important when you look at them in the light of eternity actually aren't all that important. The things that you prioritize when you look at the light of the fact that we're living in eternity or we're living in the light of eternity coming into our lives don't turn out to be that important. And so what I would like you to look at today is your priorities. I'd like you to look at what are the first things in your life. What are the second things in your life? And I'm going to give you one example, and it goes like this. Sometimes in my life, as a, as, a, as a husband and as a parent, this is just a practical example, I have a challenge, and my priorities are challenged. And the question is this, who comes first in my life? Does my wife come first in my life, or do my children come first in my life? Now, we all know that my children are more important than my wife, right? You see? You even laugh at the suggestion simply because you know how upside down that priority is. However, there have been times in my life when I've put my children before my wife. And she was very quick reminding me of it too. <laughs> when I put my wife first, I then do the best for my children. I like what, I, I can't think of the guy's name off the top of my head. No, actually, I had it in my head this morning. He's a famous uh, Christian writer. He does um, Focus on the Family. Who's the Focus on the Family guy? James Dobson. Thank you, comrade. James Dobson said this. He said, the best thing that a husband can do for his children is love his wife. The best thing he can do for them. Because then he shows them and he gives them an example of the best way to live. He shows them the example of priorities in their lives. Sometimes I've gotten it the wrong way around. Sometimes we all get it wrong way around. Now that for me would be a priority flip that I might get wrong sometimes. But for you it might be different. Maybe it's your career before your girlfriend. Maybe it is your children or, no, actually, your children are kind of high priorities, hard to take them off the top. Maybe sometimes it's your children before your commitment to God. How's about that? How's about that? What about my wife before my commitment to God? Ooh, right, Michael, we leave it there, so. See, Jesus wrote, said some fantastic things about this. I'm going to use the example 
from Luke's Gospel, uh, chapter 12 this morning. And the reason I'm going to use the Luke's Gospel one is because the Matthew, uh, Matthew 6 one, Matthew 6 and 7 one is so very familiar. I want to just go a slightly different path this morning. And I want to look at Luke's Gospel. And in Luke's Gospel, Jesus says, he, he, he says, it's basically, it's the Sermon on the Mount, except for it's Luke's version of it. And when we look at this, when we look at this sermon, Jesus is talking to people who obviously have priorities in their lives. Now, you've got to compare your people, us to those people. Those people very often had lived a very subsistence living. They lived day to day, week to week. They basically just survived on what was coming. And a bad season of weather could have ruined their crops and left them go hungry for a long time. So these people were living very often very close to the edge. As I've said before, in the society that Jesus spoke to, you had a very, very, very tiny sliver at the top who were very wealthy and very successful. They generally were the ruling classes and those in power. Below them, you had a slightly wider sliver of people who were doing financially well, who were relatively prosperous prosperous and generally they were in the pay or connected to those in power and then below them you had this vast drop of people who were just living day to day they were just existing day to day and so when Jesus speaks to these people he's talking to them about their day-to-day trials and troubles but I want you to look at it and consider your own life because I don't think people are any different and there really is nothing new under the sun the things that bothered them bothered us may God bless us as we read his word this morning Lord, speak to us in your beautiful, beautiful words this morning. Encourage our hearts. Lift us up, Lord, in Jesus' name. The words of Jesus. Turning to his disciples, Jesus said, This is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food or enough clothes to wear. For life is more important than food. And the body is more important than clothing. Look at the ravens. They don't plant. They don't harvest. They don't store stuff away in barns. For God feeds them. And you are far more valuable than any birds. Can all of your worries add a single moment to your life? And if worry can't accomplish a little thing like that, What's the use of worrying over bigger things? Look at the lilies. Look at how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. And yet Solomon, in all his glory, was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for the flowers that are here today and thrown in the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why? Do you have so little faith? And don't be concerned about what to eat and what to drink. Don't worry about such things. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers all over the world. But your father already knows your needs. Uh Seek the kingdom of God above all else. And he will give you everything you need. Whatever you think your priorities are, whatever you think is the most important thing in your life, Jesus says that seeking the kingdom of God is the most important thing of all. Relationship with God, doing what God says is right is the most important thing of all. 
And he's saying that when we put that first, we needn't worry about all the other things in our lives. If that is our priority, God lets all the other priorities fall into place just okay. In actual fact, we are still living in the shadow of what Jesus was speaking about. Because I know there's people who are in here this morning and you're worried about your tenancy in your home or in your apartment. You're worried about your job. You're worried about the bills that are coming in. You're genuinely anxious about your health. You're genuinely anxious about your relationships. And Jesus says this, seek the kingdom of God first and he will give you everything you need. Everything you need. You see, Jesus is not saying that these things aren't important. He's saying the exact opposite. He knows how important it is to have clothing. He knows how important it is to have something to eat, something to drink. He knows how important it is to be warm and have shelter. These are very, very important things. But he's saying they're not the most important thing. Yes, important. Yes, they're very important. My kids are very important to me, but they're not as important as their mom. She's the most important thing to me. Of the relationships that I have in my home, she is the most important thing to me. And Jesus is saying that he recognizes that we do have important struggles and important needs. And we offer up many prayers. But he's saying, but if you put the kingdom of God first, it'll be added to you. I like what C.S. Lewis says in his, in his essay in God, God in the Dock, it's called uh, First Things First. He says this. He says, you can't get second things by putting them first. You can only get second things by putting the first things first. Now you go, what, 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 what do you mean by that? You can't get the second things by putting them first. If your priority is is. Is, is, is upside down, if, you don't have your, if you're not pursuing the top priority first, you will never get it by seeking the things that are below that priority. Does that, do you know what I'm saying? I will never seek God by pursuing my career first. Never. I'll never encounter God by, by pursuing my career first. That's because I've got the order wrong. But he says if you put God first, then everything else will follow. That's what happens. Jesus said something else, and he said something, you know, that... You know those passages of scripture when you look at them and you kind of rush by them and you go, I think I'd rather not read those passages of scripture. Do you ever have any of those? If you're going to be honest, you'll probably have a couple. There's a few that we tiptoe past. Some we declare, hallelujah. In other words, you go, I'd rather I didn't hear that message this morning. Jesus talks about how is it, how can we lose everything we love? How to lose it all? Jesus gives a simple instruction on how to lose it all. And it's back there in Luke's gospel, chapter 6. In Matthew's gospel, we're familiar with the Beatitudes. When Jesus said, blessed are the poor, blessed are those, blessed are the, blessed are those who mourn, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, blessed are the peacemakers. But in Luke's gospel, Luke puts a slightly different angle on it. And he elaborates a bit further on what it was that Jesus said. So much so that some scholars think he's quoting a completely different sermon that Jesus gave in a different place. Well, I'm going to look at the second part of what Luke says, because Luke includes the blessings. And then he includes what are commonly known as the woes. And we're going to take a look at those just for a second. Now strap in your seatbelt, okay? Put on your seatbelt because some of the things that Jesus says can make us want to wince sometimes. 
Are we ready to hear what he has to say? Amen. Michael, I think I'm just feeling led to go to the toilet right now. Here's what Jesus said. What sorrow awaits you who are rich, for you have your only happiness now. What sorrow awaits you who are fat and prosperous now, for time of awful hunger awaits you. What sorrow awaits you who laugh now, for your laughing will turn to mourning and to sorrow. What sorrow awaits you who are praised by the crowds, for their ancestors also praised the false prophets. Now when I look at these, I wince a bit. Because there's a problem, there's a conflict when I read this passage. Because I'm not reading the passage correctly. And that is this. Do you think Jesus is opposed to people being rich? I don't believe he is at all. Abraham was rich. Jacob was rich. Job was very, very rich. These were very, very rich people. And they were blessed by God. Do you think God is opposed to people being happy and laughing? I don't believe so. If you look at the Psalms, David wrote lots of the Psalms. And there's a lot of laughter and there's an awful lot of joy in those Psalms. Now, do you think that people, um, that God is opposed to you having a good reputation, that you're praised by people that you know? I don't believe so. Because in the New Testament, Stephen was considered of good reputation. So were the other seven, so were all seven deacons, in fact, selected in, in the book of Acts, chapter 6. They were instructed to find people who were good reputation. Moreover, Paul teaches several times, make sure you keep a good reputation with those around you who don't know God. And then he goes even further to say that nobody should be appointed to a leader in a church unless he has a good reputation. So we must be reading this wrong. But I'll tell you where the way we should be reading it. What the way we're reading it is that if prosperity is all that you're living for, you're going to lose it. Because if riches and money is all you'll ever live for, what's worse is you'll never really enjoy the riches that you have. The person who is totally obsessed with money never even gets to enjoy the money that they're obsessed with. But if you take money first, you will not only lose God, but you lose the money as well. Because you will not live forever and you can't take it with you when you go. If feeding your appetites and if your stomach and feeding your appetites and getting whatever it is to satisfy yourself. If self-satisfaction is your only goal, you may gain it for a short while but you will lose the pleasure of it over a long time. Take somebody who for instance is, um, say somebody who's, uh, who's an alcoholic. Somebody who's addicted to alcohol. Taking a drink at the start seems like fun, but the more and more it gets a hold over them, they lose the joy of drink because now it becomes an object of survival. So they lose that, and in the process they will lose God as well. It's the same if fame and being popular is the only thing that's making you tick, you're going to lose God. And in the end you're going to lose that fame and popularity as well. Jesus is saying the way to lose something is to hold on to it as much as you possibly can. If you pursue the wrong things, you will lose them. Lewis also goes on to say in his essay, in Mere Christianity, his book Mere Christianity, he says this, I love this phrase. He says, aim for heaven and you'll get earth thrown in. 
aim for heaven and God will just get earth thrown in. He'll throw it in. He throws it all in. But aim at the earth and you'll get neither. You will get neither. Are you with me? It's very sober, isn't it? See, I get excited by this, but you're kind of going, hmm. Brother Michael, thank you for sharing that this morning. If you aim at heaven, God will throw earth in. Hallelujah. But if you aim at the earth, you'll get neither heaven nor earth in the full time. And that, brothers and sisters, is a question of priorities. It's a question of what you're going to put first in your life. Now, I'm going to put my happiness first in my life. But I know that the source of that happiness is in the presence of God. I know that that's where my happiness is. That's why the psalm was able to say, in your presence there is fullness of joy. That's why he, so if, I, if I'm seeking God, I'm putting my happiness first. Selfish though I am, I'm putting my happiness first when I seek God. And it's a matter of priorities. And then when I talk about priorities, we can think about priorities. Well, what is the priority of my life? Let me tell you this. Whatever is the priority of your day is the priority of your life. It's that simple. Because how we live our days is how we live our lives. When you ask yourself, what am I doing with my life? I'll say to you, well, what are you doing with your days? Because that's your life. Are you expecting the music? Only a few of us would know the music from This Is Your Life, but I won't, I won't play that. But, you know, what you're doing with your days is determining the priorities of your life. I don't know about you, but I want to get my priorities right. Does anybody here want to get their priorities right? Would you raise your hand if you say, Lord, I want to get my priorities right. You can take it back down again because I've... A bit of good news and a bit of bad news. First of all, when you want to get your priorities right, God is pleased with your life. Amen? But a few people aren't pleased with your life. I wanted to make this point a couple of weeks ago, and I did when we were talking about prayer. When you go to pray, you will meet opposition. It's the same when you want to put your priorities right. Now, when we say seeking God and putting God first, the first thing is to be in God's presence and to show up in God's presence and to seek God's presence in our lives daily by praying. Amen? Yeah, that's important. Does anybody think that that's important? That's an important thing to do. When you go to do that, however, you are waging war. You are declaring battle. You are going into war against three very, very powerful forces. I talked about it the Tuesday before last. I felt that I should put them in here again. When you go to seek and put God first in your life, when you go to pray and seek God's face and seek God's purpose and seek God's will in our life, you are going to meet three fantastic, very, very powerful enemies. The first one will be this, the world's values and its systems. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12, it tells us that we are waging war, not against the flesh and blood, but against, sorry, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me. I'm misquoting my verse. I'm misquoting my verse. That's okay. 1 Corinthians chapter, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 12, look it up yourself. The, with the system of this world, with the things that this world considers foolish, are the things that God values, and the things that God values are the things that this world considers foolish. When you do that, the world system is going to be against you. You see, it doesn't want you on your knees seeking God and praying. It wants you out there buying their products. It wants you clicking like on their things. Do you know what I'm saying? They want you out there buying their clothes, investing in their, their banks, becoming a consumer. We're going to look at it a little bit more uh, on Tuesday night. That's what the world system wants you to do. It doesn't want you on your knees seeking God. 
Hello? What would it want that for? Because you were in that, in that you were putting God first as your priority, which the world will never, ever, ever, ever want. Why did Paul say, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Don't just conform and do things the way the world wants to do, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What's the other enemies that you're going to meet? Oh, yes, your own selfish nature is one of the things that's going to fight against you. Have you ever noticed that when you say, right, that's it, I'm going to get up tomorrow morning. It's not that you, maybe you've never done it, but I've certainly done it. That's it, I'm getting up a half past six tomorrow morning, and I'm going to go in, and I'm going to seek God and pray, and I'd get up a half past six in the morning, and I'd go in, and I'd sit down, and ten seconds later, you know, I just want to remember that. And just, oh, I want to give thanks for my own flesh fights against me. My own flesh says, and do you know my mind starts going, actually, do you know there's something more important to do? Do you know? There's, there's something more. Have you ever felt, I know I've felt, I'm sure you've felt at times in your Christian walk, if you've been walking with God for any period of time, that when you go to pray, you kind of think, mm, is that the best use of my time? It is. It is. The best use of your time best use of your time your own flesh will resist it because you know what this says in Galatians 5 17 Galatians 5 17 says the war uh, the, but the flesh and the spirit are constantly fighting each other constantly fighting each other even Jesus said the spirit is willing but the flesh is weak it's weak it doesn't like things like that it wants to put itself first and the last thing you'll end up fighting as you well know is your enemy the devil who goes about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour Ephesians chapter 6 Verse 12 says, we do not wage war against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers in the heavenly places. That is where we end up doing war. The, your enemy, the devil, does not want you in the presence of God. He does not want you seeking God first. He wants to lead you a merry dance. That's what he wants to do. And when you go to pray, when you go to seek God, when you go to put God as the first priority in your life, he will oppose you. Remember that when you do that, it means war when you go to put God first. But I want to I wanna kind of finish. Maybe it's a funny theme to finish on, but Jesus is talking again in Luke's gospel. That he's talking about the end of the world. He's talking about the return of when he comes back. And he's talking about um, how we should live our days. And he's, he's talking about, uh, he refers to a guy called Lot and his wife. And he finishes off his statement by saying this. If you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you let your life go, you will save it. If you cling to your life, you will lose it. Do you ever see those creepy, clingy lovers? Hey, baby, I can't stop thinking about you. You're always on my mind, baby. Hey, how was your day today? I just want to shower you with love and happiness. I want to be with you all the time. Those kind of octopuses who follow people around the place. They cling. They cling. And a clingy man, or with respect, a clingy woman. None of them I know. But a clingy lover. Do you know what happens? They lose the thing that they love. Because nobody wants to be around a clingy lover. Brothers and sisters, if you're a clingy lover, let it go. Set them free, 
Set yourself free. Don't be texting them all day and all night thinking about you again, honey. No, you're not. You're thinking about yourself. That's what you're thinking about. I just want to be with you, baby. No, you don't. If you cling to it, you lose it. And Jesus is saying, if you cling to your wealth, you lose it. If you cling to your popularity, you lose it. If you cling to your self-satisfaction, you will lose it. But if you let it go, you will save it. Hallelujah. If you let it go, you will save it. Now, I want to talk to you, and I have spoken to you, about being happy. Because I want you to be happy. Now, I know sometimes when we say things, we can say things in a sober way. But I want you to be happy. God wants you to be happy. But you'll only ever be truly happy if you put first things first. Can I get the worship band up? We're going to sing and then we're going to pray. I've asked the guys to sing the song, Faithful You Are, for all your promises are yes and amen. Remember the promises that we read from Luke's gospel, chapter 12, that the birds of the air, uh, they don't sow, reap, or stow into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you more valuable than they? Who said no? Somebody said no. You are... You are more, va hello, Grace Christian Church, Sunday morning, 12 minutes past 11. Be here with me. Are you more valuable than they? Yes. Hallelujah. Will you stand with me? We're going to pray. Just as the guys are brewing up the song, we're going to sing the song, Yes and Amen, which is taken from uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 1 where Paul says that all of God's promises are yes and amen in Jesus Christ what does that mean? it means that God doesn't change his mind it means that if he said he would provide for you he's not going to change his mind he's going to provide for you would anyone say amen? if he says he's going to protect you he's not going to change his mind he's going to protect you would anyone say amen? if he says he's going to care for you and watch over you he's going to care for you and watch over you he's not going to change his mind amen? But we must put first things first if we're to walk in God's promises. Can we close our eyes just for a moment? If you're here this morning and maybe you've been on a journey back towards faith or maybe you've never made a commitment to Jesus Christ before. I don't know you. You're in a darkened room. I can't even see your faces. But if you want to say this morning, maybe for the first time, Lord, I want you to be first in my life. I don't want to chase after other things anymore. I want to chase after you and have you first in my life. And you haven't prayed that prayer before. Would you raise your hand with every eye closed? Would you raise your hand? I see your hands. I see five hands up in the room. That's the people who are praying this prayer for the first time. I'm going to ask you, can we pray together with them? Let's all pray together. Is that okay? Okay, will you follow me? Lord Jesus Christ, I realize that you must be first in my life. I cannot live this life on my own. I fall short time and time again. I ask you that you'd give me your forgiveness. Give me your life. Renew me. 
come and make take up residence in my life. I ask you to be my Lord, my leader, my friend from this day on for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Can we round the applause to those who prayed that prayer this morning? Hallelujah. If you're here this morning and you recognize your priorities are out of kilter, you say, Lord, I recognize I've gotten my priorities wrong. Will you help me to seek your kingdom first? You're a Christian, and yet you know that priorities can get slipped and get, get troubled. If you're here this morning and that's your prayer, or you want to pray and say, Lord, would you help me to fight the good fight, to keep you as the first thing in my life? If either of those are your prayer, would you raise your hand? Lord, help me to put my priorities right in my life, to put your kingdom first in my life. If that's your prayer, as we sing this song, I'm going to invite you to come to the front. We just have a couple of minutes and we can pray together just for a couple of minutes here at the front. I'm going to invite you to come front. Why am I asking you to come to the front? To come up to me? No. Because sometimes that stepping forward is the step of faith. It's the first steps to say, Lord, I'm putting your kingdom first. Lord, I want to put your priorities first in my life. And those are the steps of faith we're taking. So as we sing, let's make our way up. Faithful you are. We sing for you are church like this on Sunday morning you're kind of saying something about your priorities anyway would anyone say amen you're saying that you want to have God first in your life I'm going to ask you if you're down in the body of the room maybe if any of our prayer and care team are here if you'd come forward and lay hands on some of these brothers and sisters here at the front I'm going to ask you would you extend a hand forward towards those who are standing here at the front of the room to guide our prayers and focus our hearts. Can I ask you, lads, would you lift your hands up before the Lord as though you were lifting your life itself up before God this morning? Lord Jesus Christ, I thank you that your desire for us is that we would be a happy people. Would anyone say? Lord, and in that happiness, Lord, you have provided for us a way that we can know everlasting joy and that is by seeking your kingdom first. Lord, as we stand here this morning, we recognize in some ways, Lord, that some of our priorities are wrong. Lord, that we've gotten things upside down. We've put things ahead of you. And even in our lives, we've put some people ahead of other things. We may have put careers ahead of people. We may have put money ahead of everything else. But this morning in standing here, Lord, and lifting our hands before you, we are declaring that we want to seek the kingdom of God first. Would anyone say amen? Lord, our prayer answer this morning is that you would add to us the things that you would add in Jesus' name, Lord. 
I pray, Lord, that as we commit our cares into your hands, as we commit our worries and our concerns and our anxieties into your hands, Lord, Lord, that we would know your peace that passes all understanding, guarding our hearts and our minds, Lord. Lord, the confidence that comes from knowing that God is first in our lives, Lord. Lord, I pray you'd help us to fight the good fight. Amen? Amen. Help us to fight the good fight, Lord. For each of us, Lord, it'll be different. But Lord, I know this, the world doesn't want us to seek your kingdom first. Our own physical, selfish nature doesn't want us to seek the kingdom of God first. And we know, Lord, our enemy, the devil, doesn't want us to seek the kingdom first. And so, Lord, this week, as we go into this coming week, Lord, as we pursue you, as we seek our highest happiness, Lord, may we also fight the good fight of faith. Lord, would you empower us by your Holy Spirit? Jesus said, How much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Lord, would you empower us with your Holy Spirit this coming week, Lord? Lord, may we encounter and experience and know your presence alive in our lives, Lord. Help us, Lord, to put our days right. Would anyone say amen? Amen. Help us to put our weeks right. Help us to put our months and thus our years and so, Lord, putting our lives right in Jesus' mighty name and God's people say, Amen. Amen. Can we all raise our hands to heaven as we close in prayer this morning before the lads play us out? Let's just raise our hands to heaven. We're going to do a closing prayer. Lord, as we go out the door today, Lord, I pray, we would remember what Abraham called Yahweh Yairah, God our provider, Lord. Lord, that when we fix our eyes on you, you take care of the rest, Lord. We pray this week, Lord, we would walk in the abundance of your provision in every area of our lives, Lord. I pray, Lord, emotionally, psychologically, physically, materially, we will know your provision for every area of our lives, Lord. I pray you would put a smile on our face this week. Would anyone say amen? Give us joy. And Lord, if anybody should ask us, I pray this week, we will be able to say like David said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. In Jesus' name and God's people said a final. Amen. God bless you and go with you, brothers and sisters. And bless you and protect you and provide for you all of this coming week. The band are going to play us out. We're serving tea and coffee upstairs for those of you who want to stay for tea and coffee. And don't forget we're here on Tuesday night at 7.30 for Night Church. Steve.